Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host, Connor. Today, we are revisiting the deck-building fundamentals that we covered one year ago, all the way back in episode 3. Now, we've learned a lot since then, and there is plenty to go over, but first, we have a couple of announcements. A reminder for those of you who haven't signed up, that our anniversary tournament is beginning 6pm Friday, October 22nd, EST, or for my Oceania friends, 9am on Saturday, October 23rd, AEST. It is free to sign up. Participation is open to anyone. The top three will each receive a custom Memory Gauge podcast exclusive playmat. That's our Professor Dark Tyranimon playmat designed by Jack Clark, the terrific artist. And the winner of the event will be invited to be a guest on this very podcast where we'll talk about their winning deck list, all their matchups from the day, and their personal Digimon card game story. Registration for the event is still open. The link will be in the show notes. It is free and open to anyone. Again, that's October 22nd, 6pm EST and October 23rd, 9am AEST. Link is in the show notes. See you all there. And our final announcement is a reminder that this weekend we are having a booster box opening live stream to celebrate the release of BT6 Double Diamond. We'll be opening up a booster box of Double Diamond on Twitch over at twitch.tv slash Connor EFMG. And we will also, as usual, be doing our giveaways where we give away the contents of one randomly selected booster pack, as well as a version 0.0 promotional pack that contains one of each of the first six promo cards. These booster box openings are always a really good time. We get to talk about the new set, what we're excited for, and everything Digimon card game. And of course, there are those sweet giveaways, but to be in the draw, you have to be watching twitch.tv slash Connor EFMG Friday 14th of the 10th, 7pm EST, or for my Oceania friends, Saturday 15th of the 10th at 10am AEDT. That is this weekend. Hope to see you there. And now for our main topic. Just under a year ago, all the way back in episode 3 of this very podcast, we covered the fundamentals of deck building for the Digimon card game. We went over the official rules for deck building. We also covered ideal ratios of Digimon levels, tamers, and option cards, using various means to try to decide the best way to build our decks. And that was a very popular episode. It's one of the most popular episodes of this show, but it was nearly a year ago and a lot has changed since then. When the episode was released, the English version of the game wasn't even out yet and there had been just two sets released in Japanese. It was very, very early days for the game. So our ideal ratios were based on the ratios of the first three starter decks. There was, there was just a lot of guesswork involved. So this week, I wanted to revisit the conclusions that we made in that first episode. I want to decide if they were accurate or not. I want to update all of our information if necessary. We're going to go back over the rules for deck building in the Digimon card game for any new players just joining us, and then we are going to go over some deck building guidelines, primarily how many of each kind of card should you include in your deck, and finally we'll go over some general good advice for deck builders, both new and established. There's something for everyone, so you want to 
going to want to listen through the whole episode. But before we do begin, if you haven't listened to episode three, I would recommend that you do because it's a lot of fun to look back at what we thought the game would be like before really getting a chance to play and get a chance to listen to what this podcast was like before I had any idea what I was doing. That said, it is not necessary listening. It is not required listening in order to enjoy this episode. If you don't go back and listen to episode three, you will not be missing out on anything totally optional. Alright, first, before we can get into best deck building practice, it's important to know the hard and fast rules of deck building for the Digimon card game. These are the rules that are laid out in the official rulebook, and if your deck doesn't obey these rules, if it doesn't follow these restrictions, then it is not legal for play in any official tournament or event, so make sure you really carefully learn these rules. Many of our listeners are already going to know these, but for any new players who might be joining us today, here is a refresher. Your Digimon card game deck actually consists of two decks of cards. First, you have your main deck. Now, this must contain 50 cards, no more, no less. Your main deck will contain your Digimon cards, Tamer cards, and Option cards. Only these types of cards can be on your main deck, and they are denoted by the blue backing on the card. Secondly, you have a Digi-Egg deck, and this consists of anywhere from 0 to 5 Digi-Egg cards. Totally up to you whether you want to include all 5, four, three, two, one, or even zero if you don't want to have a DigiEgg deck at all. Only DigiEgg cards can be included in your DigiEgg deck, and these are denoted by the white card back. So only those cards with the white card back that say DigiEgg up the top are allowed in your DigiEgg deck. And there are a couple of other restrictions to be aware of. First, the main other restriction, you can only have at most four copies of any one card. That includes your main and your DigiEgg deck. You can only have up to four copies of any one card. And that's tracked by the card number. So that's found in the top right of the name box on the card. And it's important to remember that cards that have the same name don't necessarily have the same card number. So, for example, you could include up to four copies of the Agumon found in the Gaia Red starter deck, which has a number of ST103, and you can include up to four copies of Agumon from the latest set, Battle of Omni, which has a card number of BT5007. Your deck could consist entirely of Argumon if you wanted, so long as it had no more than four copies of any individual Argumon by that card number. The last restriction to keep in mind is a restriction that didn't actually exist when we released the first Deck Building Fundamentals episode, and that is Limited Card. For various reasons, certain cards can become limited, which means that you're only allowed to have a single copy of them in your deck. Now, at the time of this recording, there's only two cards that are limited. That's Hidden Potential Discovered, card number BT3103, and Argomon, card number BT2047. That's the level 5 Argomon. Both are limited. But that can be subject to change, so make sure you keep an eye on the official Digimon card game webpage to check which cards are limited. Now, I'll include a link in the show notes to this episode to uh, the page where you can track what cards are limited as well as the official rulebook so you can go and check all this out for yourself. And now that we know the non-negotiable rules of deck building, let's take a look at some best practices. Now these are not hard and fast rules, you're free to ignore these when you build your own decks. However, these practices have been shown through experimentation and results in tournaments to improve the overall consistency of your deck. And the more consistent your deck is, that is the better the odds are that cards are going to turn up when you need them, the stronger it's going to be overall. I also find the decks that are more consistent 
at least for me, are a lot more fun because it minimizes those instances where you feel like random chances just caused you to be in a bad position or caused you to not be able to play your deck as it was intended to be played. So in our last deck building fundamentals episode, I made a point of saying it's very early on in the life of the game and all the best practices presented should be taken with a grain of salt. Now this time around we've seen dozens of large scale high profile events, thousands of deck profiles have been posted to places like digimoncard.dev and other resources, so we are definitely in a better position this time to know what works and what doesn't when we build a deck. So the only caveat we have this time is to remember that while these are good general rules, they won't necessarily work for each and every kind of deck. So ultimately, if ignoring one or more of these rules helps your deck to be stronger or to be more fun to play, then you should definitely feel free to ignore away. Now, the most important topic we'll cover today is how many of each kind of card should you play in your decks? Now, when we first looked at deck building fundamentals, we used the card ratios in the first three starter decks as a guideline. And following those ratios, we arrived at 34 Digimon cards to 16 other cards, your tamers and option cards. We now know, especially in the English meta, which tends to be more Digimon heavy, this is almost always too few Digimon. Option cards and tamers can certainly help you, but you aren't going to win the game without attacking with your Digimon, so it makes sense to play a huge majority of Digimon. The ratios we initially decided on had us at 12 level 3 Digimon to 10 level 4s, 8 level 5s, 4 level 6s, and 16 tamers and option cards, but it is time to update these. The basics stay the same. In most decks, we want to start with level 3s and then digivolve up our digivolution chain through each level until we get to level 6. So this means we need to do everything that we can to make sure we start with a level 3 Digimon in our opening hand. And to do that, we are going to need to use the power of math. Now, a disclaimer, I am not very good at math. Uh, The following explanation requires a lot of math, so I'm going to try to keep it simple. I'm going to try to keep it simple so it's interesting to listen to, and I'm going to try to keep it simple so I actually get it right and I don't make really obvious mistakes that I get called out for. But if I have made any mistakes, please, please let me know. Now, the reason that we have level ratios is so that we can get all of our Digimon levels on curve. And when we say on curve, we mean that by the time that we need to Digivolve to the next level, we want to have the right level in our hand ready to go. And if you're able to get up your levels at the speed that you want to get up them, you're getting your cards on curve. Now our opening hand consists of five cards. To give ourselves a good chance of having a level three Digimon amongst those five cards, we need to include a large number of level threes in our deck. If we have between 12 and 14 level three cards in our deck, then over one fifth of our 50 card deck is level three Digimon. So that means every time we pick up a card from the top of our deck, it has roughly a one in five chance of being a level three Digimon. And across the five cards that we pick up for our opening hand, that means that we, if we have between 12 and 14, level 3 Digimon in our deck, there's a good chance that one of those five cards will be a level 3. Of course, this isn't guaranteed just because we include the correct numbers. We've all had those opening hands that consist of only level 6s and options, but it does give us a good chance. While any given game may give us a good or bad opening hand, if we play our deck many times, it should even out to give us a good or at least a playable opening hand more often than not. 
Then, as we move up through the levels, we can play fewer of each. Not only does playing more level 3s than anything else make strategic sense for most decks, because you'd rather have a handful of cheap Digimon level 3s that you can at worst flood the board with and make lots of attacks, rather than get stuck with a hand of expensive level 5s or 6s that you'll spend a lot of memory on and you can only play one per turn, But also, by the time we need the higher level Digimon, we will have seen more cards from our decks, so we can keep a strong likelihood of seeing those levels when we need them, even though we're playing fewer copies of them. Ideally, our opening hand is going to have a level 3 Digimon and a level 4 Digimon, so we need to play enough that our deck consists of at least one-fifth of each. So by our math, in our opening hand of 5 cards, statistically, we should see a level 3 and a level 4. Then on our first turn, we can digivolve our Digi-Egg into a level 3, draw a card for digivolving, then digivolve again into a level 4 and draw another card and we'll probably pass the turn unless we're playing second. Because that will cost us memory, usually at this point in the game, more memory than we have. So that means that if we play first, by the time we need a level 5 Digimon, we've seen the 5 cards from our opening hand, one for digivolving to level 3, another for digivolving to level 4, and then another card for drawing at the start of our turn. That is 8 cards in total. So that means that we only need to include enough level 5s to see one statistically once in every 8 cards, and we should usually still have one on curve or when we need one. So in a 50 card deck, that means that playing 8 level 5s should be enough. At 8 cards, our level 5s will represent a bit under 1 sixth of our deck, which is more than enough to expect one to turn up in our first 8 cards. And then the same thinking will work for our level 6s as well. Digivolving into a level 5 gains us a card and probably passes the turn to our opponent, so by the time we need a level 6, we've seen at least 10 cards. That's the 8 we've seen so far, once we need a level 5, plus 1 for digivolving into our level 5, and another for the start of our third turn. So our level 6s only need to represent 1 tenth of our deck for us to expect to see one on curve. Then, like with our level 3s, we can slightly increase our odds of seeing the correct level at the correct time by playing slightly more than necessary. So following this line of foggy, dodgy, sort of ham-fisted statistical thinking, we can arrive at the following level ratio. Between 12 and 14 level 3s, which is more than enough to see 1 in every 5 cards, but not so many that we're only going to see level 3s. Between 10 and 12 level 4s, again enough to see 1 in every 5 cards, but not so many that we only see level 4s, or that we see more level 4s than level 3s, because our 3s are cheaper, and they can digivolve from a digi-egg, which we're always going to have access to, regardless of how lucky our draws are. You don't need to draw a digi-egg, digi-eggs are just there, ready for you to access. So you want to see level 3s over level 4s, because that's a guaranteed digivolution, a guaranteed draw. Between 7 and 9 level 5s, that's enough to see 1 in every 8 cards. 7's kind of on the low end, and personally I'll try to play 9 level 5s to lessen that occurrence of getting stuck without a bridge between your level 4s and level 6s, because I find that particularly frustrating, so I just try to go out of my way to make sure that that doesn't happen. Then you play between 5 and 7 level 6s, which is enough to see 1 in every 10 cards, roughly. Your level 6s are frequently the backbone of your deck strategy, so you really want to have enough to make sure that you see them on that curve. And then between 2 and 4 level 7s. Now, your level 7 cards, if you're playing them, are really only useful in the late game once you've got your level 6 Digimon established, so you don't really want to see them too early, so you can play just a few, and then by the time you need them, you'll have drawn a lot of cards, seen a lot of cards, and it's more likely that you'll have seen at least one level 7. 
Now, if we go to the middle of each of these ranges and we play that number, that will give us nine slots left over for options and tamer cards. So now we have our updated ratios and I will put all of this into the show notes. I'll put that updated golden ratio into the show notes so that you don't have to go listening through the whole episode every time. It will just be there. Of course, these cannons should be tweaked depending on the deck that you're playing. You can't build a rookie rush deck by adhering to these ratios, for example. But if you're just starting out deck building and you want to ensure your deck will play consistently, or you're just having a bit of trouble getting cards when you need them and you want to go back to the basics and say, okay, how many of each should I be playing? Then I would recommend going with these ratios and then changing them once you've had a chance to do some practice draws, play some games with your deck, and then you can make informed choices about whether to change these numbers. And before I finish today, I wanted to leave you with some general deck building advice. This advice comes primarily from personal experience and from my conversations with other players of the game. Now, obviously, your mileage may vary here, but I'm only going to include advice that personally I've found helpful. I'm only going to include stuff that I've actually tested. Now, this advice comes from sources far too varied and multiple to hope to list here. So I just want to give a blanket thank you now. To everyone from the Memory Gauge Discord, everyone I've spoken to on Discord, everyone from the Digimon Card Game 2020 subreddit, and of course, everyone I've ever played a game with, either online or in person, you've all taught me so much. We have such great discussions. Thank you very much. All right, let's get to it. First, when building a deck, the first thing you should work out is what is your win condition? How does this deck plan to win the game? The answer to that question will give you a guide for the rest of your deck building decisions and will make it a lot easier to choose which cards to include and how many copies. Next, you need to remember to include interaction. These are the ways that your deck can deal with threats on your opponent's side of the board. If your opponent gets to their level six or to their win condition before you do, What ways does your deck have to deal with that? There are very few decks without at least some way to interact with their opponent's side of the board, so you should always be asking yourself this question. If the answer is, I won't because my deck will just be too fast, my Digimon will be too strong, that's fine, but you need to make sure it's a conscious choice not to include interaction, not an oversight. Otherwise, you're going to be left feeling frustrated and like there's nothing you can do about what your opponent is doing. The Digimon card game has a wide variety of strategies, even within single colors, and it can be tempting to try to play with all of them, but the key is you can't play them all in the same deck. Or you can, but then it won't work well. Your blue Imperial Dramon jamming plus Hexablaumon Digivolution card trashing plus Ancient Garurumon hybrid deck might sound fun in theory, but in practice you'll find that having too many strategies in one deck is going to make that deck just less consistent and more clunky overall. So you should try to build your deck around an overarching single theme or strategy. And then always the best advice I have and the advice that I believe most strongly in is to have fun, whatever that looks like for you. If you want to build a deck around your favorite Digimon, that's great. If you want to build a deck to some kind of self-imposed limitation, like only using Digimon from the Greymon line, that's great too. If you want to build the strongest, most competitive deck you can, then go for it. There's many ways to play this game. Only you know what is most enjoyable for you. Just remember that playing the game does involve at least one other person, and what is most fun for that person might not be the same as what's fun for you. So maybe you like playing your Sora Takanoichi theme deck, but your opponent likes to play top-tier competitive decks. So no matter what your deck building style, that's a matchup that just isn't going to likely be very fun or interesting for either player, because you're sitting down with very different ideas of what 
fun is and you're not talking about it so while my last piece of advice is to have fun don't forget that outside of like a tournament scenario where you can just assume everyone's playing their absolute best deck don't forget that having fun means talking with the other player at the table about what that fun might look like if you're just sitting down to a casual game letting your opponent know beforehand what kind of deck you're playing will go a long way to making your play experience an enjoyable one All right, you've heard enough from me. Now I would like to hear from you. Our listener question of the week is, what was your deck building level up moment? That moment where you realized that you could become a better player and deck builder than you were when you first picked up the game. Tweet your answers at me or post them in the Memory Gauge Facebook group. I would love to hear your thoughts. Or you can put them in the Discord under the thread that I will start for this week's listener question. If you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, you can tweet at me at ConnorEFMG. You can email me at MemoryGagePodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, MemoryGagePodcast, or you can follow the link in the show notes to join our Discord. I am always happy to hear from you listeners, so please reach out. New episodes come out each and every week, so make sure that you follow the Memory Gauge Podcast on your podcast service of choice so you can stay up to date. Don't forget to sign up for our anniversary tournament and I hope to see you all at our box opening Twitch stream this weekend. Link to all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge, logging out. Logging out.